Hi friends, this is Will Parker. Before I jump into this week's episode, I just wanted to say thank you for reaching out to me. If you are experiencing school closures, which most of you are across the U.S. and the world, uh, thanks for sharing ideas about ways that you're serving your students during this time. And for those of you that are still planning and trying to think of ideas, I would love to be able to share out with you the different things that I'm learning from principals. In fact, before I jump into this week's episode, I just want to share a quick conversation that I have with a listener and friend in Nye County, Nevada, Terrence Simmons. I'm here with Terrence Simmons, who is an administrator at Floyd Elementary in Nye County, Nevada. Terrence, good morning. I would love for you to give us an update on what's going on with your students in school community, because I know you have been working nonstop since the announcement was made for school closures with the coronavirus in your district. So give Principal Banners a list, uh, listeners an update of, of what you guys have been doing and how are you still serving your students? Before I start, I just want to say I commend all, all the staff members and, and our, all the members of our wonderful country and for all the work they're doing to, to stay positive and push through um, this crisis. Um, I first want to say our leader, Dale, Evie, Kyle, and our super, our superintendents and our L team has came together to really kind of con, um, create instruction at agents plans for every student in the county. So what we're doing is all the teachers had to, we all band together school by school, each grade level had to create a plan for how our students are going to receive instruction. Then, and that was just within three days that because we actually started working on this during our spring break. From there, they, we had two modes. One was um, a packet. The second one was online, where for elementary, it looked more like Lexia, Alex, and Google Classroom assignments. And then from there was packet work that actually worked on with Wonders, um, Everyday Math, and a little bit of Zern mixed in as well. And so where we were able to, within, I'll say, a two-day period, have all those packets and all those materials ready for at least two weeks. There it came into the part was, how are we going to get that? delivery system to the parents. Uh, we did ask our teachers to create it, and they were able to do this virtually as well, to contact every parent, ask them what is the proper means for um, communication, the proper means for them to get to work. Many of our parents did have access to internet, so they were able to receive that, the work on lessons online. This also allowed us with the online module, be able to not only just grade the work, but um, be able to uh, give comp um, feedback and communicate with the parents on um, anything to support the instruction. Another thing that our leader asked us for us to do is to give every parent a schedule from nine to three, what things are done. And so like kind of like little, at what school is. And so that is what instruction at a distance looks like. At nine o'clock, you know, you should be working on reading. You know, from at 9.30 for like if a kindergarten class, your first thing that you do is days of the week and kind of walk all the parents through that. So it can actually be implemented with the, access to content, and then also the access to the teacher. Uh, we are actually having our teachers, and some of our teachers are doing it um, openly. Some teachers, six days, um, call six students per day, just to kind of get feedback, checking with the students. Some teachers are setting up work hours and say, hey, this class, just contact me. I'm here for this time. But all of our teachers are accessible to our parents virtually um, and by phone, just to make sure that there's good communication. So instruction does continue. Wow. And this has been amazing. Um, one thing I was really excited about was since we do deliveries from our bus stops and at our site at the school, we were able to pass out the work at the site and on the bus stops. And that delivery method went very, very well. 
So we've been having a lot of success and been still being able to, um, at a distance, support our parents and give them the meals and give their children instruction and give out hope as well. I want to also commend our leader, um, Lori Metro. She is just doing a fantastic job. She's been passing out. Um, we had extra books, so we made sure as many students as possible got an extra book, a couple of books, paper, supplies, and just a little bit of the high. And, you know, whenever they come for the meals, we have music playing just to kind of add more joy. And even our custodian who, when the students are passing by or the cars are passing by to pick up the meals, he always says, I miss you. Because hmm. he really does miss the move. So we're, as a whole team effort, Knight County and Brump done, uh, Knight County has done a fantastic work around our communities. Wow. So how does that look each day for your community when kids are, uh, when you're trying to take care of food services? So we're doing it um, drive-by style, everything. We're still being social distancing. And so um, two of our sites actually, like parents can come up. And then we have a place where um, our buses are actually going around and following their same bus routes. And then they're picking up there. So there's two places and they just do it like the bus will pull up and car by car, people come pick up the meals and they pick up a breakfast and lunch and then they go for it. Wow. Well, Terrence, I am so thankful that your school community has you and the team that surrounds you to take care of your students. And I know that you're one of thousands across the nation right now of school leaders that are doing the same thing. Um, what words of um, our thoughts do you have as we close this conversation for school leaders as they face the coming weeks? And for some of us, we may be looking, I know some, some school districts across the nation and the world have closed for the school year. Um, and some are looking at the, the several weeks ahead, trying to decide what they're going to do. What words do you have for administrators, especially who are looking at what it's like to be a leader from a distance? I think the most important thing is stay positive, um, communicate as much as possible. Thank God we live in the era of Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter. I mean, there's so many ways to kind of push out your message, but just staying positive and letting people know that we as a nation are going to get through this and be stronger. And we are here to support you any way we can. Keep the lines of communication going. And for the teachers out there, thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, teachers are the hardest working people ever, and they're out there every time. And so we all know that as a, as a nation, as a community, as a group of people that we can get through this. So that's mm -hmm. my message. And if anybody has any questions about what we're doing, feel free to contact me as well. Terrence, thank you so much for doing What Matters, and we will be talking to you again soon. I hope that conversation was helpful for you. And if you want to share with me some things that you're doing with your schools, please reach out to me at will at williamdparker.com. As I talk to principals here in my state and across the U.S. and the world, I am excited to learn how you're serving your students. Thank you to Nova Chetty from South Africa, who emailed me this past week as well about the crisis that's happening there and the measures that they're taking through e-learning with their students to keep them on track. Thank you to all of you for the work that you are doing I hope that you'll enjoy this continuing series that I've been doing with Jen Schwanke about her new book, Reboot for Principals. If you have not checked out that book, please go online to Amazon or to ASCD and grab a copy this week because you're going to want to keep learning with Jen. So thanks again, and I'll talk to you soon. Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 187. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we are joined again by 
my co-host, Jen Schwanke, to talk about maintaining balance as a lead learner. Jen Schwanke is the principal of Indian Run Elementary in Dublin, Ohio, and the author of two books, You're the Principal Now Want, and her newest book coming out March 17th, The Principal Reboot, Eight Ways to Revitalize Your School Leadership. Jen, welcome back. It's so great to see you again. And I know last week we talked a lot about being a lead learner in your school, professional development, mindset, reading. And and as we wrapped up that conversation, you and I were talking off the air about how do we make sure that we don't, principals don't feel overwhelmed by those expectations. And so we wanted to circle back this week and just talk about the balance that's important as you continue to be a lead learner. So I just want to give you a moment to just talk for a second about why is it important for principals to be thinking about balance, even as they're thinking about growth. Right, right. We did. We felt like we had so much more to say on this topic. So I'm glad we're, we're back to re- readdress it. You know, I think this job is so complex and it's so ever-changing. And as we spoke about in a previous episode, the work is never really done. There's always another problem to solve and, and we can't predict what those problems are. And all of that can really be disheartening after a while it's exhausting. And sometimes I find myself thinking, what am I even doing here? Mm -hmm. And when that question creeps into my mind, I try to stop and actually answer it. (laughs) And by that, I mean, you know, wait a minute, why am I here? And I've I've talked to a lot of principals who, who have to think about that question pretty deeply before they come up with an answer. And their answers tend to be more inherent parts of themselves than something like paycheck or boy, I really like having the master key or I just always wanted an office. Nobody says those things. People say, I I don't know. I, I had a desire to lead or they said, I recognized some areas where I felt my skills and my instincts could help kids, you know, community, school grow and change. And so Rarely do does someone say that the reason they're there is anything other than something inside them mm-hmm. to do better, to lead, to change. So I think asking that question of yourself and coming up with an answer really helps kind of balance the scales again so that you're not there for reasons that won't fulfill you for, for the long term. Yeah, that's such an important place to start. And it's such a hard place to to come back right. to sometimes because I know that... In reality, there are a lot of competing interests for people to step into school leadership. And you and I have talked about this before, right. but you know, like, how do I increase my income? Is for, right, you know, right. So, well, maybe as a teacher, I've reached a ceiling. And so I look at the opportunity to become an administrator. But you and I both know that if the paycheck is the motivation for stepping into school leadership, that that motivation will only last about maybe two hours. Into right. <laughs> <laughs> or or exactly. if the motivation is power. Like for instance, you might think, well, if I was in charge, right. then these things would be working out. And so maybe suddenly you got the handful of keys, the master keys for the building, and you're like, oh, I'm the I'm in charge. I'm in charge, but, right. That that lasts for about two hours too. When you're right. suddenly, when you're confronted with the realities of school-wide problems, school-wide right. difficulties, school because it's like taking the classroom and multiplying the level of stress by 10 right. or 20 or 30, whatever it is, because you're now responsible for managing all of the of the processes and conflicts and expectations and celebrations right. happening around your entire school. And so how do you keep that 
mindset? How do you keep yourself focused on the why? Right. Well, and I want to land for a moment on that income piece, because when I speak with principals, a lot of times I'll tell them, you know, that comment you hear from teachers, well, that's why you make the big bucks. Mm -hmm. And in all reality, a lot of times, if you balance out the per diem, principals make less. And there are also many salary schedules out there where a teacher takes a pay cut to be a principal. And when they do that, I think, wow, either they can't do math or they really want to lead. Mm -hmm. I think about a time I was, I was having a bad day as a principal. This was five or six years ago. And I said to my boss, I just want to go back to the classroom. I don't think this is for me. I'm tired of it. I can do my last 15 years as a teacher. And she laughed and laughed and laughed. And I said, what are you laughing at? And she said, you would be down in that principal's office every single day talking about, well, here's a more efficient idea. Here's how we can (laughs) fix this. She said, you just can't hide when there's leadership inside you. And, Mm -hmm. and I really agree with her. So all grumping aside, I kind of pulled up my bootstraps and said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. But you know, it's the fact that we want to lead beyond the issues of income or beyond the issues of ease and getting out of school at three 30, you know, those kind of things are out the window when we decide to be a principal and, and knowing that and, and recognizing that why we're doing it really helps. Yeah. And and Jen, sometimes when I'm trying to focus on the the why. This sounds counterintuitive, but sometimes the best way for me to understand my why is to not necessarily like try to find the answer in the why is to actually turn my eyes back on the people I'm serving. Right. So there's this weird dichotomy that happens when when you're trying, when you're struggling with, man, why do I really do this? You know, if you start trying to make a list of pros and cons, you're probably not going to find yourself... <laughs> Right, but if instead you you switch your focus over to the people that you're serving, those students and those teachers, and and you think about that human experience that you're having, that's where you find start finding your why. And right. so let's talk a little bit about that because I think that's an important way for us to remember our whys. What are some of the ways that we that we should be relaxing and enjoying our work? And I know that it, I know it sounds impossible to do a good job as a principal and enjoy it at the same right. time, but that's really not impossible. Well, this is actually my favorite topic of all. Mm -hmm. I love this because I do enjoy the work. And I'm going to start with the most important, which is laughter, laughter, laughter. There used to be a great little ditty in the Reader's Digest, if you read that as a kid, and it was called Laughter is the Best Medicine. And they were funny, funny, funny little ditties or comics or phrases, you know, sayings, whatever. And I truly try to laugh throughout my day, not in any way of making fun of, of the work or people or, or issues, but I find um, students delightful and I love the funny things they say and do. And I love um, my office culture is such a healthy, strong one. We tease one another. We absolutely laugh at ourselves. We enjoy celebrating uh, one another. And so we, we do, we just try to laugh. And when you have that within you and within your school culture, people are okay to just celebrate the silly. It really is healthy. I once worked in a school briefly where um, the culture was one of silence and closed doors and laughter would have truly felt like a foreign sound when when students weren't there. And I think that's not healthy. It's toxic yeah. and it really does wear you down. So yeah. if there's something funny throw back your head and have a good belly laugh. That's a great yeah. way to start. <laughs> I, I think it's therapeutic. Um, uh-huh. I mean, there are times where we have been, and I can think back to other administrative teams that I've been on that have had healthy laughter, but there's times where we were facing really difficult situations right. 
that we could close the door for a few minutes and then right. just try to find the humor in it. Right. And just, I'm talking belly laughter. Yes. Just, yes. just yes. absolutely cutting loose, having some yes. fun together. And suddenly you're kind of getting perspective again. Like, exactly. Okay, okay, I can face this situation now with a little bit of humor. And I'm being, I'm, I'm, <laughs> and I know that it's actually right. like, anatomically good for you right. to laugh. It is. It yeah, is. It, it, it's so good for you. My assistant principal, Jacqueline Pallone, she and I laugh and laugh. I mean, she just has these mannerisms that crack me up. And I, she teases me about my physical humor because I will, you know, get down on the floor and <laughs> imitate something or, um, you know, I'm, I'm one for dramatics. And so I will just act something out and we will all of a sudden be just hooting with laughter. And then, like you said, then we open the door and get back to the work. It's yeah. very therapeutic. And also I think it's fun to bring students into the laughter. The other day in the office, we were having just an absolute chaos moment. Everything was falling apart. There were parents, secretary, teachers, and there was a little boy who had come to, to do some work in the office. And he looked at me and he said, and, and Mrs. Pallone right next to me, he said, is this your daily basis? <laughs> and just the way he said it with such shock and dismay, we laughed and we said, yes, this is our daily basis. So finding the students, finding what the way they look at the world and, and the joy in that truly does does just lift you up and it gives you that connection you're, you, that um, with student staff and community that really helps us stay healthy. Oh, it does. It's amazing. I, I'm, I'm having a memory of a time that I was um, interrogating a student with another yeah. assistant principal. And I remember catching her eye across the, the office as I was interrogating this kid. And she was giving me this look like, well, you're just almost comical because you're looking <laughs> It's, it's, I just remember, you know, here we're in this moment of like serious interrogation and I'm catching right. her eye and realizing that she's making fun of me. Right, so, right. Which is great because I needed, great. I needed to lighten up a little bit. I was absolutely I was too serious. And so sometimes it's just so important to keep the humanity yes, in your yes. work. It's absolutely celebrating the silly, recognizing in each other. When I would start getting a little too high on my horse too, as a principal, one of my assistant principals would, um, um, she'd say, uh, this is horrible, but she would say, she would say, okay, Michael. <laughs> okay, Michael, greatest boss in the world. So she, yes. She would completely call me out if I was starting to like inch into that place where I was thinking a little too highly of myself. Exactly. Right. I love it. Because right. it puts you right back into the moment and, and it keeps you in your place. And so, Absolutely. If you want to have fun, just find somebody who's good at imitation and ask them to imitate you. That'll bring you right back where you need to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk a little bit, um, Jen, about the, the power and the importance of connecting with your students, your staff, and your community. That's really why we're all here, don't you think, is those connections. And, and when I start to feel out of balance, it's usually because that connection isn't there. And usually it manifests itself in guilt. I think, gosh, I just haven't seen you know certain staff members in a while, or I haven't put myself into the lunchroom to connect with students enough. You know, sometimes it manifests itself in a feeling where your school feels an isolated part of the community. And so I think just revisiting those and, you know, we could do episode after episode on specific ways to do that. But every school is different. Every community is different. And so the needs are different. But if you as the principal feel that connection to the people and the stakeholders that matter the most, I think it gives you a, a level of calm and composure and, and enjoyment with the work. It does. And it refuels you. I mean, it's right. like, it's almost like, um, I don't know. I, I've talked to so many principals, especially ele elementary at your level, who who will tell me if I can just get into a kindergarten class today and read, oh, I, know, I, know will, I know it will fill my tank. Or in the secondary level, for me, that was if I could just get out into a classroom 
And sometimes I would take a part. If they're reading Shakespeare, I would ask for, can I take a part, you know? Right. And I could just read with them. Or right. maybe it's just walking out and standing in the middle of the band while they're, while they're rehearsing or stepping right. into a practice and, and just, just hearing the bouncing balls and, and watching right. kids have fun and just reconnecting with, this is why we're here. This is the reason that right. we do this work. And it, and it brings me back to my why. I don't know why it's so hard to take the first step to do those things, but when when we do, over and over and over, I hear people say it filled them up. I, I recently coached a basketball team, a youth basketball team. Now, I had coached earlier in my career at the school level, but I was now coaching again, and the first week, I was so grumpy. I did not <laughs> want to do it. I wanted nothing to do with it. I wanted to go home and put on my jammies and be alone, but boy, by the end of the season, I was weeping right along them when we brought home a trophy, you know? <laughs> it does. It just really, really increases your connection to the world. And I think that there's other ways to do that too. And particularly at the secondary level, there's student travel. There's many schools have student trips. And boy, if you can get yourself on one of those trips as a chaperone as some, or as someone who goes along just as a helper, many, many different opportunities there. And that you usually come home exhausted, yeah. out, of, out of toothpaste and ready for a nap. But you also come home thinking, ah, that was a piece of me that I had forgotten and left behind. And you're also building capital with those with the relationships that happen in those moments too. So right. just like just like whether it's going on a school trip or or just um, spending time with a, a group of kids in in a classroom setting, inevitably at some point that adult or those kids you're, you're going to have situations that yes. come up later that maybe there's a problem that has to be resolved or a conflict right. that needs to be addressed. And but now you've got emotional capital. Right, people to pull from because they don't just see you as the role. They don't just use the principal badge. Right. They don't, they don't just see you as this person with the title. Right. You're, you're human. You're the one that spent time with them. You care about them. You you actually have been connected with them or laughed with them, and so now you have some emotional capital to pull from. Right. You're going to need that. Right. Another way too that I connect with staff, students, and community is, and don't laugh at me, Will, uh, because we all hate the word committee, but jumping on a committee and just immersing yourself in the actual boots on the ground work that people are doing can really help you connect with others. And also start a new one. If there's something huge that's always a problem in your building or something that you just can't seem to solve on your own, start a new one and say, all right, guys, I'm flummoxed with this one. I need some help. And lead some change really at the committee wow. level. And I think that that's a way too to just connect with others and it leaves you vulnerable because you've said that you have a problem you don't know how to solve. And it also shows that you haven't lost that, that, that um, again, boots on the ground work ethic that started you off in the first place. Yeah. Sometimes this feels a little counterintuitive, but if, if you do it mindfully and carefully and thoughtfully with a goal in mind, I think it can really fill you up, you know? Wow. Okay. Park there, Jen, because that, that's challenging me. No, that's really great. I, I've never had anyone give me that suggestion. So, <laughs> uh, so, no, so I want you to give me an example. What's, what's an example in your practice where you've, where you've decided to just jump into something like that, where you've actually, it's a, it helping you create balance instead of giving you more time? Because to me, it sounds right. like it would be like one, just one more thing to do. Right. How, tell us that story of how it's helped you. 
I did this a couple of years ago and I'm going to, I'm going to admit that it was not, the intention was not to reconnect, but that was the outcome. Hmm. I had had a lot of feedback because the school I'm currently leading is an older school uh, built in 1961. And over time they had a, a mascot that had grown politically incorrect. So it was kind of scrapped and there was really no phrase or no mascot that defined us. And people kept mentioning this <laughs> and I would kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and finally, I thought, you know what? I need a little boost. I need to figure this out. So I'm going to start a committee. And so we started a motto mascot committee and I got people, mm-hmm. students, parents, teachers, and we really talked about who we were. Kids wrote poems, which turned into, by the way, a song that later was our, is our defining song. And we had a new motto, which was, um, it was voted upon by our community, and, it, and the motto is, what begins here will change the world. Oh. Uh, we had a parent who was a graphic designer, and he made us a new logo. And all of this kind of unveiled itself very naturally and very authentically. And it was a lot of work. And honestly, it was marketing, which is not my, my skill set at all, but I had to learn it. And all of a sudden, I had teachers, I had parents, I had communities saying, we love it. We love what this says about us and who we are. So it was a lot of work. And yes, I I started a committee, <laughs> but rather than roll my eyes about it, I about the existence of committees in my work, I was able to make it my own. And it, it really not only enhanced my connection, but I think it brought a lot of us together too. So oh my gosh, we, that's yeah, amazing. We evolved. <laughs> yeah, go finish because I want to celebrate. Yeah, I was going to say it was a, it was a nod toward evolution too, because especially if you're leading a school that's been around for a long time, and let's say you've always been the Tigers. I'm not at all saying don't be the Tigers. Just be maybe Tigers in the in 2020. Figure out, you know, maybe a new way of marketing yourself, a new way of branding yourself. You don't want to upend something that's worked for a long time, but you might just give it a, a little bit of a glint or a little bit of more sunshine on it to make it brighter. And you've got people who have ideas and and they're just maybe waiting for the leader who says, hey, we're going to do something. We're going to make this, we're going to evolve our whole entire schema of who we are into this current year we're living in. Oh my goodness, Jen, that's so inspiring. And I'm going to completely put you on the spot right now. Oh, do it. I'm ready. Do you know the song? Oh, I do. I I have it over here. I have the sheet music. I can't Bring it on. No. I can't Bring it on, Jen. It. Come on. I want to hear it. Oh my gosh. It's called We Are Indian Run. Okay. I, you're not asking me to sing, are you? you? Speak it. I just want to hear it. This oh, okay. So All right. Fun. I'll speak it because okay. I can't sing it. My, my father's the musician. <laughs> and let me just tell you, this was students who wrote poems. And then we actually hired a composer from a neighboring um, university. And he came in and somehow he wrestled the poems into a song. And then together the students put it to music. And so it's a two verse song. I won't read the, the whole thing, but it, it begins, everyone is different, and but we live as a community. Every, I'm sorry, I'm reading it in the notes that it's it's written here. Different cultures coming together in unity. We work together every day to show we care by what we say. Each one of us a speck of light, and but all together, clap, 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 we shine bright. And then the it ends with, 
And we're stronger together. Together we are one. What begins here will change the world here at Indian Run. Yes. So, so yes. and then there's another verse too. I'm blushing a little bit, Will. Oh, that's but, great. But it, so we we play that song on our video announcements and we play it to open our assemblies. And it really is just this cool thing. All the kids know the song. And if you want to be inspired and have the hair on the neck stand up, have 700 kids shouting that song at the same time. It's super cool. Oh, Jen, I'm this. Okay. I'm just going to pause for a second. Principal Matters (laughs) listeners. I just want you to think about where we started this conversation at the beginning of the show. How do you find your why? How do you maintain balance in the hard, the hard journey of leadership? And Jen, this is the story is such a great way to cultivate returning to your why. You, you pulled together with people based on feedback. You know, there's something we need to change here. And then you pulled in, you brought them together. And, in the, and then as a result, here you have a new motto, new mascot, a new logo, a new brand, and your students now have a new mission. Right. And every day they're singing this song together in your school. And, and I'm going to challenge you at some point to, to take your mic and I want to hear them sing it. Oh, um, that would be fun. Yes. Uh, and we can maybe uh, share a clip with our with our listeners. But thank you for that story. That's such a great example. Because when you started talking a few minutes ago about, you know, jump on a committee, I mean, my, my, <laughs> my brain went to, what? How, how? I can't imagine that inspiring. Right. And now I'm so inspired. So Principal Matters listeners, I hope you are too. Jen, I know that there's so many other things we can unpack from that. Any other thoughts you have before we move into into another suggestion? No, I think that, boy, I just sang on, uh, loud on a mic, so I, <laughs> I can take a moment away from that. <laughs> well, and thank you for letting me put you yes, on Yes, no, I'm teasing. Uh, which leads me to this next point, which I think is um, an important thing for us to, to talk about with leaders, which is being willing to do something brave and bold. Why is that such an important part of, of maintaining your why as a leader? I talk to a lot of principals who feel like they're in such a rut. They feel like every day, you know, it's it's different problems, but it's really the same problem over and over. I actually talked to a, a building principal who had gotten a different job and I said, how's it going? And he literally said to me, same problems, different address. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he was tired and a little bit, bit beaten down and that's where we need to muster up the courage. And, and again, we're, we're talking about different versions of the same thing, but just shoving yourself out there to do something different, brave and bold. We did this a couple of years ago. A lot of schools do one book, one school. And I thought, why can't we flip this and do an all-school writing project? And this is something actually very near and dear to my heart. And I'd love to find another way to do this in other schools. But anyway, the there's a six-word memoir book out there, and it's a wonderful concept for writing. And I could talk for days and days about it. But you can um, Google six-word memoir, and there's a website, and there's many versions of the book. The first one, and this process was led by Larry Smith. The first one was called Not Quite What I Was Planning. And what we did is we thought we can have every kid in our school write something. They can write their story. And so teachers, you know, we had some PD on this and then the teachers led this in their classrooms and every student wrote a story. Six words, that's it. And we published them into one book. And so we had a book where all of our students had their story published and we had some artwork added and so on. So it was just fun. It was brave. It was bold. I didn't know what I was doing. I was making one decision at a time just to try to to make it work. But it was, it felt bold and it felt um, like something different nobody had done before. And it really helped bring us together, students and staff really, in this six word 
writing process. Wow. What a great idea. Do you remember any six word stories? Because that's, I can't imagine trying to write a story in six words. Oh, you have, yeah, you have to get the book. There's many, many (laughs) versions of it. And students were so, I don't have them with me right now, but the students were so eloquent. They were beautifully written. The six word idea actually came from the, um, what has been referred to as the shortest story ever written by Ernest Hemingway. And it's a terribly sad story. I can almost not say it without crying. And it is for sale baby shoes never worn. Mm. And that story, you know, I think the beauty of a six word story is it opens up other stories. You can kind of fill in based on your own experiences. And so- What a great idea. Yeah. So Larry Smith took that, ran with it with the six word memoir idea. And there are six word, there's a six word memoir book for immigrants, for teens. So there's very, there's different versions. And ours um, as a school, those students were just, I mean, it's amazing how eloquent and thoughtful they can be with six words to tell their story. So that's great. And Jen, while you were saying that, I just did a quick look at six word memoirs. So Principal Matters listeners, I'll give you a few, a few more examples. This one is um, by someone named Stormy Weather Banks. Never let no one steal your joy. Yep. I love that. Yep. Or expect and accept unexpected and unacceptable. So yeah, I can see how these could become really powerful ways. Right. I love, I love this one. I came, I saw, I conquered. Right. That's a great, that's a great example. You know, there's, I know that when we talk about balance, Jen. Can I interrupt really quickly? I'm sorry. One of the most powerful ones that was written by one of our fourth graders, six words, everyone thinks I'm Mexican. Mm -hmm. I'm more. And so, you know, that was just a way that that student was saying, don't profile me. I'm more than where I'm from or the word you think I am. And, and we actually got lots of, of versions of that. Students who were using their six words to say, hey, I'm more than you think I am. So I just really wanted to throw that out there because I, um, we do a lot of unintentional profiling of students. And that's something that six words, it all, just takes six words for a student to say, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so, so fantastic. So when you think about, you know, what are the brave and bold things that we can be trying that will really reignite the passion that we have for our work? Jen, I was talking to a principal um, just uh, last week. Her name is Melissa Hitt at Elgin Public Schools in Oklahoma. And at their school, a couple of years ago, they started a Make-A-Wish program for their students. And this was a rural community, but their teachers began to ask kids, if you could dream of something for someone else that you would love to see happen for them, what would that be? Or for yourself. And so students began to write down either a wish for themselves or for someone else. Most of them were choosing for someone else. And they began to pull those together. And their intention at the beginning was to just see if they could fulfill some of them. You know, let's pull a handful. But over time, they began to see that they were able to match more and more and more community resources to the fulfillment of of kids' wishes. I'll give you an example. This one child who um, shared with the school that he had a family member who needed a liver transplant. And so, you know, so, so for them, that was like, oh gosh, this is one of those that we'll never be able to fulfill. But as they spread the word right. um, and they began to raise awareness, that person eventually had someone uh, that, that matched with them. And so, right. um, you know, or the, the girl who said, I really would like to see my daddy 
by Christmas whose father had been deployed and they were able to work behind the scenes yeah. to get him to the school so that he could be there wow. to surprise her at lunch. You know, so yeah. these little things, they chose to be bold and brave and try something with their kids that they had that they thought, well, let's just see how far this can go. Right. Last last year, Jen, that school, this is a small school, but they raised over thirty thousand dollars from their wow. community to help fulfill the wishes of kids. Yeah. And uh, and so just powerful things like that. So six word so memoirs, yeah. fulfilling the wishes, thinking outside the box. And, right. and, and what's cool about that, because I know some principals are listening to this thinking, how am I going to have time to do that when I'm trying to meet all my academic standards? And here's, here's the dichotomy. When we take time to do those bold and brave things, they create the kind of emotional momentum that helps us stay motivated to fulfill the academic expectations that we have in the classroom. Right, right. They just go hand in hand. They do. And it really empowers others too. If they feel like they're part of something really big and special, a lot of times they take better care of their own classrooms, their own students. And that takes a little bit of the pressure off the principal. Well, before we wrap up today, Jen, I know you talk sometimes about equanimity. And so I, I want you just to just to go there for a few minutes. Why, why is that an important part of, of your mindset when it comes to balance? As a well, this, this goes back to know thyself. I tend to be a fast talker. I tend to get frantic. I tend to get very um, fast moving. And so this is just a word that speaks to me. I have it put in my office along the back wall. It really means mental calmness. It means composure. It means being even and, you know, a possession of self. And so this is something that I personally strive toward. I, because I know my own weaknesses and I know how I can appear to others when things get hard or when things are out of balance, this is what I strive for. So what I would encourage Principal Matters listeners to do is find Find what it is that makes you anxious about yourself and decide how you're going to overcome that. For me, I'm lucky enough that when I just even remember the concept of equanimity and it brings up images for me of how I want to appear and feel, that helps. So so this is certainly a um, self-goal. But I think we can all, it would behoove all of us to find that self-gold. Maybe it lives in one word or it, it lives in a picture in your mind or a way of interacting with the world. But being calm, being composed, that's what our people need from us as leaders. Wow. Well, Jen Schwanke, I know that we can continue because, and I've got other things I wanted to ask you about with balance. And so we will be continuing some further episodes of Principal Matters listeners, I just wanted to tell you that um, this is an ongoing conversation that Jen and I are having about ways that as leaders, we can continue to reboot, to be re-energized, to rethink the way that we're leading. But this week, I want you to just leave thinking about the importance of, of focusing on your why, finding that why by connecting with the people that you're serving, enjoying the work that you're doing and not being afraid to laugh and to celebrate the silly or start a new committee like Jen did. <laughs> think, think about think about the ways that you can also, as Jen wraps up today's conversation too, think about those places in your own life where you need to be aware of yourself and, and how you can continue to grow in your own leadership so that you're modeling for people uh, the kinds of um, experiences that you want them to have too. So Jen Schwanke, thank you so much uh, for the time that you've taken this week to, to um, share with us. Principal Matters listeners, thanks for doing what matters. Thanks, everyone, and we will talk to you soon. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com.